Hi, everybody. We are so glad to have you here with us live this evening. Uh, we are on Facebook Live right now. And then tomorrow, you can also find this as a podcast if you want to share this with anybody or uh, maybe you have to cut out early and, and uh, don't get to hear the whole thing. You can look that up on wherever you find your podcasts on Apple or Spotify or SoundCloud and, uh, and listen to us as you're walking or driving to work or whatever. But we're just really glad that you joined us tonight for this really important conversation about living a life of focus, living on purpose. Now, we're in a series here at Moncton Wesleyan for six weeks called The Six Habits of Healthy People. And so every Wednesday night, we've been here with some special guests, especially some experts in the fields that we're talking about each week uh, for just a roundtable conversation. And we'd love to hear from you as well if you have any comments or questions. Uh, we have some folks that are moderating uh, online on Facebook right now. And uh, we might not be able to get to all of them, so please don't be offended if, if you put something in there and we're not able to cover it because we only have about an hour together. And we've got some people who have a lot of great things to share this evening. And maybe you want to speak of sharing. Maybe you want to share this right now if you're on Facebook uh, for others to maybe join in. And uh, we're just really, really grateful that you're here this evening to spend some time with us. So what I'm going to do is introduce uh, some of our guests. By the way, I'm Joel Gorvet. I'm the lead pastor here at Moncton Wesleyan. And the first guest that I'd like to introduce to you is the longtime, uh, almost as long as I've been alive, he was the pastor here at this amazing church for 44 years. And, uh, and so we'd love to introduce you to Dr. Laurel Buckingham. And could you tell everybody what you're doing now yes. and why you're so passionate about this subject of living life on purpose? Well, that's a, that's a great way for me to begin because, of course, when you're called, I think that's a big factor in purpose, you know, and I know everybody doesn't necessarily feel called to whatever, but... I fought the call so hard and felt so inadequate and didn't think I'd ever be able to fulfill the call in a way that I should. And so I resisted and resisted. But once I gave in to it and surrendered to it, uh, then I realized there's no turning back. And so because of the passion that has really increased in regard to purpose with the passing of time, I, I really feel like the passion I have for that purpose today is greater than ever before, and which is, in the final analysis, is to help see more people come to Christ, get established in that relationship, and get on the journey to heaven. But what we're doing to complement that is conferences. We're doing uh, 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 mentoring of pastors. And uh, this has been going on now so that we have, for some time, and in the Atlantic region, we've mentored over four, over 200 uh, over a period of like a year, once a month, and then we do two-day mentoring sessions. And now we've gone online with our mentoring, and it has the potential to just go other parts of the world as well where they don't have access to this information. And, and so this is really my sweet spot in a way. Right. And, and so it's something that I'm enjoying to the fullest. And rather than the passion subsiding 
because of that purpose, it's intensifying with the passing of time. And I feel stronger about it now than I ever did before. <laughs> and I think anybody that knows you knows that that's the case. That's why we have you here this evening uh, to share. And, uh, and he also speaks all around the country and around the world, mostly not outside of New Brunswick right now right with now. all that's going yep. on and with the <clears throat> pandemic. But, uh, but even online today, I was part of an Alpha conference that had pastors from all across Canada with hundreds of church leaders, and he was uh, one of the three featured guests there. So I said he's really slowing down uh, it, at this point in his life. He's only done, you know, two national broadcasts in one day, you know. <laughs> and so uh, we're really, really grateful to have you joining us this evening. And then uh, just here to my left... We have our good friend, Gabriel Basque, and uh, Gabriel, would you go ahead and tell everybody uh, what you do and why you're so passionate about this subject? Uh, well, what I do, I, have, I have work with Leadership Management International, so we do leadership development coaching, and the main reason why I am so passionate about this subject is because I've discovered, I'm so grateful I've discovered my purpose at a really young age. I was 24 years old, and it was actually at the Moncton Wesleyan Church. Um, quite amazing how it was a full circle back. It was September 16, 2014. It's, it was specifically when John C. Maxwell came to Moncton. Mm. And it was at that leadership conference that I received my purpose to help people achieve their true God-given potential. And to a bit uh, what we just heard, like now I honestly feel like I'm called to something much greater than myself. Prior receiving my purpose, I had a lot of drive. I was really driven, uh, but now my energy is now flushed out in a different way. Um, and I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to be here. Um, I also want to obviously thank God for, for allowing me to be here and thank all of you for listening. And Gabriel, could you tell everybody a little bit about what that means, that you work with LMI and you coach people to reach their goals. What, what does that look like when you have a, a, a high performing, a lot of times you have really driven people who come to your organization and they want help in accomplishing some really big things and accomplishing their goals. What exactly do you do in that process? Yeah, well, the, um, the best way I can explain it, it's sharing a bit of a concept and, uh, and it's the success ladder. So we can hopefully agree that the, our success depends on the results we produce. The results come from your behaviors and your behavior comes from your attitude. And your attitude is a way of thinking. So if you change the way you think, you change how you feel how, and what you do then results into um, the results you want in your life. So what I do, um, simply put, is mental fitness. So I used to do physical fitness in my early years as a coach and now I do more mental fitness and also a bit of a spiritual fitness on the side because at the core, I have a heart of, of an evangelist. Um, and uh, that's, that's what I do. I, I coach people through an attitude, which then guarantees a, a permanent change in the results in which the person produces indefinitely for the rest of their life. You know, Joel, if it'd be all right, I'd just like to interject yes, something here. It's so interesting that he said what he just said and the way it all originated was, is with thinking. And everything good or bad originates with thinking. Right. 
And it, if it's done in the right way, then great things can happen. Done in the wrong way, it can be very destructive. But it goes back to really what we think. Right now, I'm listening or reading a book called As a Man Thinks. And my, oh my, oh my, there's so much involved in, in being able to focus on what we think yeah. That keep us on track and head in the right direction. Yeah, so many of our strongholds are right here. Right there. Between the ears. Well, our, our, our next guest that we want to introduce this evening is kind of our productivity efficiency ninja, I guess I would say. And uh, I don't know if that's a good way to put it or not. Uh, I, I hear you're a black belt in organizational guru ship. And so... Uh, Corrine Shea, uh, would you introduce yourself? Tell everybody a little bit about what you do and why you're passionate about living on purpose. Sure. Thanks, Joel. Um, I have been working in the healthcare industry, actually, in public service for all of my adult life uh, and leadership largely. Uh, but in the past few years, I have honed in some skills into efficiency methodologies. So I do have uh, a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt uh, particular training, which for those of you who understand efficiency models and, and how that works, then it's a particular methodology that works to help any industry, not just healthcare, uh, improve continuously mm. and to achieve success at any venture or stage they're in. So I've been really blessed to have a great career in healthcare, uh, really blessed to have um, great mentors, have great leadership opportunities, mm -hmm. and just having this latest uh, training uh, in efficiency the last few years has really advanced this particular skill set, and I've been really uh, lucky to do it. So I'm currently a consultant uh, here in New Brunswick at the regional health authority level here, and I'm moving into a new leadership role there next month. So, so it's been it's been a great ride for sure. That's fantastic. Well, we are so glad to have all of these wonderful guests with us this evening. And I just want to start with this question. And uh, Corrine, since we're here with you, uh, let, let me just address the question to you right now. That a lot of you, uh, what you do, all three of you, is you tend to work with high-achieving, driven people. And, uh, but as we know, we've been talking about in this series when it comes to the habits of healthy people, that not all drivenness is good, that not all drives to succeed are actually healthy. And so with some of the people that you've worked with, what are some of maybe some of those unhealthy motivators that you've seen when it comes to people trying to live out a purpose that maybe is not so healthy? Uh, definitely measuring success, you know, is very different for, for every leader that you encounter. I've always said, no matter who my boss has been, no matter who my leader has been, whether a negative um, influence or a positive influence, I've learned something from every single one. Um, so I would, I would say that the more unhealthy patterns and unhealthy indicators of success lend towards values and concepts related to um, the pursuit of financial gain for financial gain only, mm -hmm. or the pursuit of uh, a busy lifestyle, again, for the pursuit of just having a busy lifestyle. And there is no investment or minimal investment 
in the teams and personnel or even vision of a company that that you're employed by. So when I find working with leaders who embrace a concept that is purely enmeshed in financial gains, product, what have you, it doesn't lend itself to behaviors, in my experience, that are positive. So so you're saying, mm -hmm. I want to make sure we're hearing you right. So you're saying that when it's just about achievement for the sake of more money, uh, that it often leads to unhealthy habits and behaviors if the drive to succeed is just for selfish gain. Absolutely. Um, I've seen that in both the public sector and the private sector, that if that is the sole gain, the, the bottom line on a budget line at the end of the day is X, Y, or Z, then behaviors will, will exhibit that. And time is a commodity. Time for a lot of people is money. So for example, I had an experience with a, a wonderful group of people, but they worked extraordinarily long hours uh, evenings and weekends for the pursuit only of creating that bottom line number. And it wasn't for the purpose of creating value in team members or even the product at of question at the time. So this, the success is really for me, a question about what, what are the indicators for success for you? And my experience has taught me that if those are your indicators, if it's really a dollar sign, or if it's really a uh, an hour on a clock, like you have to work like 16 hours a day in order to be proven successful, then that will lend itself to behaviors that I find have not are not uh, positive. Yeah. For sure, that, that sounds a lot of like what we talked about on Sunday: the drive to succeed rather than focusing on significance. And mm-hmm. what I heard you say there was that drive to succeed is many times about elevating self, but that significance is when you're pouring into others, adding value into oh, yes. others' lives. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, Dr. B is like one of the greatest examples of that. And that's why we have him here tonight. And I want him to talk about that in just a minute, but I want to come to you, Gabriel, first and just ask, because you coach high level leaders when mm-hmm. it comes to accomplishing their goals. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine a lot of times when you are, when you're coach, coaching like you do is about questions, not just about telling people what to do. You, you ask questions. That's what your role is all about is asking probing questions to help people get at what's beneath the surface. And so like, what are some of those questions that you ask mm-hmm. uh, somebody to get at the heart of their motivation to figure out what it is they're trying to accomplish and how you can help them do it. Like, I'm sure that you have an arsenal of really powerful questions that you ask leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even love to add when it comes to coaching, um, 90% of coaching is actually listening. And, and often there's, it's populated the idea that great coach asks great questions, but it's, it's actually more, it's, it's deeper than that. It's the ability to, to connect with the person to, to really understand which question to ask. Um, but there's there's lots of questions, like something I, I've shared a few months ago, like you must first know who you are before you know where you want to go or how you're going to get there. And often people get lost in this life and and to tag along to what was just expressed. And I, 
absolutely love this reference. I refer, refer to this book all the time, Man Searching for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he clearly explains the difference between uh, a, a life based on being driven by outcomes instead of having the, the, the drive of, of to have that purpose. And when you, when you don't have the clarity on, on why you do what you do, then it's really hard to then enjoy your journey. Right. And, 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 and to, to tie that in with the questions, and, I, and I, one of the things I see the most often is there's a lot of highly driven individuals and they're obsessively focusing on the destination. But the reality is the journey is more important than destination. And as the person can't see and enjoy all the ups and downs, then you're always just running a race and you don't even know why you're running instead of just enjoying life. Um, and, and so when you sit down with somebody to get at the heart of their motivation, like, mm -hmm. do you have some of those, those specific questions that you come back to again and again that you ask people? Uh, I don't, to be honest, I don't really have like a cookie cutter approach or specific questions. Oh man, I was looking for the secret formula, man. The secret formula. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a hard, it's, a, it's actually a really hard question for me to answer because honestly, every question is so different. And I, it's, again, it, the art of coaching comes from effective listening. Uh, the asking question is really just 10% of the overall conversation. Um, and for me, I guess I, questions like, um, like learning more about like their, the values and the character and, and the aspirations and the and a, a, a easy format, I guess, you can start off with the, the outcomes. So what are the outcomes that you wanna see in your life um, from emotional standpoint, reduce stress, uh, better balance, uh, healthy lifestyle, et cetera. And then from there, you it's easier to construct goals and then make a plan. Mm -hmm. So starting off with the why, the what, and then the how um, to illustrate the golden circle from Simon Sinek. Um, so questions around more, but to be honest, it's really about really connecting uh, with that human being on, on a much deeper level. So then they feel uh, in a safe environment uh, to then explore potentially new ideas that they may have never thought of in the past. That's fantastic. Yeah, that golden circle by S Simon Sinek, that's absolutely phenomenal for anybody who hasn't uh, been exposed to that. And it's, it's really about, instead of starting from the standpoint of what I want to accomplish, it's asking others, uh, making sure that people know the why of what you do. So if, if, if anybody was wondering what he was referencing there, I'd highly recommend looking up. There's some just quick videos you can watch, I think, on YouTube. Uh, Simon Sinek. It's called The Golden Circle. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's from the book, uh, Start With Why. And he has a second book called Discover Your Why. And it's uh, just a small description, I guess. It's based on biology. So your human brain has obviously different parts. There's a limbic part of your brain, which we care for. And those are the emotions. The why triggers those emotions. That's what we connect with. And that's the outcome. We don't care about the goal of making more money. We care about what we get in return and the results of having more money. 
payoff, tie more money, uh, et cetera, right? Um, so those are the emotions versus the what and the how. That's more the newer cortex part of your brain. Rational thoughts, one plus one equals two. Most companies works outside in. Few company works inside out. Hence the name of the book, Start With Why. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, so the book or the Joel abridged version, look it up on YouTube. I think you can find it uh, there if yeah. you want to just get a taste about what that's about. Golden, The Golden Circle, Simon Sinek. Well, Dr. B, uh, you have spent decades pouring into people, helping them discover uh, how to be more productive, how to be more focused in their daily lives. And so uh, just when you look at people out there tonight who are struggling from day to day, kind of drifting around from goal to goal and not sure exactly what they're, uh, they're accomplishing, uh, what are some of the ways that you coach people to get started on this journey of figuring out what life is really about? Well, I've really been liking what I've been hearing here uh, because it really brings up something that I think is of utmost importance because if what we're looking for is just external, it's mm -hmm. just to uh, somehow satisfy ourselves with something for our own benefit, it really never, ever satisfies. No matter how much, it may have a satisfaction lifespan of a very short time, but no matter how much is accomplished, if it's all for our own selfish interests or for what we're wanting, then uh, that never, ever brings any lasting satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And I think the lasting satisfaction comes when, if we're as Christians, this really fits in. Because as I think of Jesus, he was all about how he could build others up, mm -hmm. how he could be an encouragement to others. It was never, ever about what others could do for him. Mm -hmm. It was always what he could do to complement, to help to add value to other people's lives. Even when he had to confront people, it was for their best interests. And, and so the great satisfaction of life is investing in something that's going to have, well, <laughs> eternal ramifications, really, but it's going to make people's lives a lot better. And, you know, when it comes to encouraging people, complimenting people, building people up, it doesn't cost anything, but it brings the person that's doing the building as much satisfaction as the person who's being built up. And so uh, for me, in order to really uh, make sure that I was being consistent with that, man, I had to plan it daily, mm. <laughs> even right in my daytimer, encourage everybody you see today, mm. you know, and, and just be thinking encouragement, 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 building people up, building, adding value to their lives, adding value to their lives. And, and I know there's, I've known of leaders who claim that they never get any encouragement. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, if you give it, you get more than <laughs> You really think you should be getting, you know, and and the affirmation and I'm not this is not about me yeah. and it can never be about me because as, if I'm a Christ follower, it was not about him. It was about how he could be helpful to others. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it takes focus. It takes thinking and planning and all the rest. Mm, that's good. Well, Tim, our moderator online uh, sends a question that Krista gave us tonight. Uh, why does a person have to be driven 
the word driven sounds so rushed or hurried? Why can't a person simply have contentment in being at peace mm. and happy? And so yeah. if anybody wants to tackle that question, she's, she's asking, uh, why are, do we have to be driven, which sounds so rushed or hurried? Uh, why can't we just simply uh, have contentment in being peaceful and happy? I think some of that just, it just comes, this mm -hmm. thought just comes to me now. It's, it's, it's the difference between selfishness and unselfishness. You know, mm -hmm. if it's all about us, it's easy to get driven about mm -hmm. things. But if we're at peace and we're just wanting to help others, you don't have to be driven about that. It's, mm -hmm. it's a very satisfying, rewarding, enjoyable journey. Mm. Yeah. Would I would agree, Dr. Buckingham. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Gabe. I would because I would also add to that. Yeah. Uh, scripture tells us that we are called to love others mm. and to be loved by God. So when you're truly loving others, it's not an endeavor, uh, a forced endeavor. It's not a harsh endeavor. It's it's an endeavor to love others in service. Mm. So while the world may call it driven. Scripture actually doesn't. Mm. It, it right. calls it service and it calls it loving people as God would have us love people. So mm. I think the language we use, here's a great example of that. Thank you for whoever sent that question. The language we use, mm. uh, a word like driven, sets a tone that I think we just need to be acknowledged and be careful about because I, I agree with Dr. Buckingham. I think when we're truly serving others in love as Christ would have us do, I, I would be very surprised if people feel that heaviness of, of being driven to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, so thanks to whoever sent that. The language we use yeah. is, is critical. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, and I would love I would love the opportunity to add a bit on the, uh, the word driven. And um, so driven, uh, having a lot of grit, working hard, um, often is being perceived that it's it's you're forcing something to happen and and, and to, to shed a bit of a light on that in some cases yes in some cases it's 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 more perceived as just the idea of of let's say growing growing out of your comfort zone and as as we know if you're not changing then you're not growing so you're not growing is because you're not changing and and it's hard to to grow then out of the comfort zone because as a human being, we're, we're obviously created to survive. So subconsciously, the auto response to life is to always do what's easy versus what's hard. So um, there's many people, obviously, that populate the idea of uh, dry, driven and grit and this. And there needs to be a healthy balance. Um, uh, how it helps people it is offers a, a platform, an ideology to allow people to then flourish in, in, in new ways to, to push through personal boundaries. And um, personally, now where I'm at in my life, my life, as I reflected last year for this year, the mission is to live in purity. And, and I guess the how is actually to work in flow and to live in alignment, obviously with Christ. So for me, I'm more, I guess, in terms of working more in a flow state instead of a driven state. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a different place to, to, to be. That's good. And, and I love how all of you latched on to that terminology, because as you asked, Krista, 
that word driven, if you'll notice when I started with that very first question right at the top, I was using it in a negative context. Mm. Uh, because as Christians, I, I, I did this in a message on a Sunday sometime in the last year or two. I don't remember exactly when it was or what series it was. But we talked yeah. about how the world is driven. Mm-hmm. But as Christians, it's what Corrine said, as Christians, instead of being driven, we are called. And mm-hmm. I used the example of, uh, of a horse, and I brought Tracy on the platform and said <laughs> I could only get, the, get away with this with my wife because she, yeah. uh, she loves me and forgives me, and she gave me permission to do that. Uh, but I said, let's pretend you're a horse. And, and the difference between pushing an animal, that's driving, and yeah. drivenness operates out of fear, out of selfishness, out yeah. of... Um, a, a, a concern about what others think of me, but mm. perfect love drives out fear. And so the mm. difference between driven, which is being pushed by fear, mm. is what God calls us to is a called life. When, when you call, someone comes because they love you, because mm. they trust you. And that's mm. the difference is as Christians, yes, we need to be just peaceful and happy, mm. As, uh, as you put in the comment there, in the, in the question, but, but also productive, mm. right? That, that our calling is not just to sit back and do nothing. Our calling is to get engaged in the mission of Christ because he calls us and we listen to his voice and we follow his lead. And, yeah. and that's why in this series... Uh, Each one, we've kind of tied it to, and we've not made a big deal about it in the Sunday message, but you've seen it in our midweek conversations here, that the title, we've actually contrasted it with one of the the deadly sins. You remember the traditional deadly sins. Mm. And so this one, Focusing Your Purpose, we paired it with the deadly sin of sloth, Mm. and we're calling this one Productivity versus Sloth. And so Mm. we're productive as Christians we make a difference in the world, not because we are driven by fear or selfish motive like the world, but because mm-hmm. we are called by the love of Christ. And, and as all of you have said, that that calling then uh, becomes an outflow of love to others. Or as we say around here, what is it? It is God's God. love in us to the in world. To the world. Pastor exactly. Joel, I'd like to ask this to whoever would like to answer, but... How does a sense of responsibility, being a responsible person that can be depend upon, depended upon, fit in with being driven? Maybe I'm just wondering if some people might see a very responsible, capable person as being a driven person when really they're just being a responsible person. Mm-hmm. I, I would have a few comments on that, and hopefully I, I would give a bit of light um some as as we all know we all uniquely um have gifts and talents and strengths and we're all different in our unique ways and often as believers and non-believers we compare each other with other people and 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 what i put what i want to put emphasis on is uh, like some incentives say play the infinite game versus the finite game finite there's a start in the end so when you play the infinite game um, you, you stay focused on your own craft and your own strengths. Uh, there is people that are uniquely 
gifted in 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 in, in certain ways versus some others are unique, unique gifted in different ways. No one person is not more important than the other. Um, so just because maybe someone that's close to you is extremely driven and great at communication, that may not be your gifts. Um, you would have other gifts uh, also. So what's hard is to stay true to your own gifts and because those are gifts that was given to you from God. Um, and often we, we get confused and we, we, we start comparing each other. So that's good. I'm not sure how that fits. Um, oh, but perfect. even though um, you feel pulled in different ways, uh, just stay true to your own gifts um, because you have those for a specific reason. That's so good. And, and I, I'd love to hear some of your comments on this too because I think what you, what you touched on was exactly where Dr. B was going is that uh, that, that calling, that passion for a purpose that God has called you to is going to look different in different people. Yeah. That not everybody is going to have the enthusiasm and the charisma and the energy of a Dr. Buckingham. And exactly. yet somebody who's who's much more reserved and shy mm -hmm. and exactly. can absolutely be just as passionate and driven. No question. But it 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 comes out in different ways. It doesn't absolutely. look the same. Yeah. It's not, you know, a big personality on the platform. Mm or whatever the case might be. And if, if I may add to that, Absolutely. it doesn't always, as you say, it doesn't come out in different ways. It also comes out in different methods. Mm -hmm. So what a person does Monday to Friday, nine to five, may not be their true calling. No. I mean, Walt Disney started out working on the railroads. Mm -hmm. Do you think his life was meant to live on the railroads? Well, we obviously know from history, that's not what exactly happened to him. But showed integrity in his nine to five work and pursued his passions mm -hmm. and his drive outside of that. So I want to encourage people also to say that if they feel they're in a role yes. um, to earn money and a paycheck and make a living and support their families that mm -hmm. are not completely aligned with their passion, not to be discouraged by that um, passion and God given passion um, comes in many different methods mm -hmm. And it doesn't always have to be the nine-to-five method. You know, that leads me to ask a question to Corinne. That when it comes to, do you think that everybody should be seeking to find a real purpose and, and a purpose that they can have a passion for? Is that how critical, how important is that? I think it is very critical uh, to understand, we've talked about this, your why. Your why matters. And as Joel said, it may not be the platform. Not everybody, God hasn't gifted everybody to be on the platform. God hasn't gifted everybody to be a, a public person. But your why matters. And I fully believe that we need to understand our why in order to live out a life that God has called us to live. But not to diminish the fact that my why is not the same as your why, is not the True. same as my neighbor's why. Yeah. And I think social media has really disoriented us into believing our why should be a grand uh, display of of something, exuberance perhaps, um, that should be for all to see. When maybe the why is very much uh, something meant to be done, you know, quietly, privately, um, 
intimately with a family within your work. Um, I think social media has disoriented us to that a little bit. That in, in order for the big why to happen, we need to have the big, the big platform to do that. That's not necessarily true. No, Pastor Joel. Uh, that's good. I've that's good. I've gained an insight here today just hearing her speak that I hadn't thought of. I think my guess is this is this could be really liberating for a, God, a lot of people that are listening. They may be in a job that is as boring as all get out, right. but there is a possibility of finding something else that's outside that job that you can be so passionate about, so excited about, looking forward to, that can even make it, the job seem better. Mm. And that, that's a great insight that I think could be very helpful to a lot of people who may be really bothered hearing us talk, thinking, well, I, no way under the sun could I have a passion about right. the mundane thing that I'm doing. Right. But... There is possibly some other opportunities that you could have a passion for. That's great. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is so insightful. And and that's what we find all throughout the New Testament, isn't it? That mm. we are not all called to be the same. That's right. No. In our in our personality, in our gifting, in our wiring. And we get these stereotypes of what it means mm. to be, you know, a passionate called person who's making a difference for the kingdom of God and and leading people to Jesus, and serving mm -hmm. in the community, and, and representing Christ well. And, and, uh, and, and those stereotypes can be unhelpful, because mm -hmm. Paul True. says in the New Testament, he mm -hmm. says that the body of Christ is made of different parts, That's and right. the nose can't say to the ear, I don't need you, mm -hmm. and the, the yeah. ear can't say to the kneecap, I don't need you. And he says, even though they all have different functions, mm -hmm. and, and he says... Uh, I love what Paul says about that. He says, sometimes the ones that are more prominent, we think are important mm -hmm. just because they're more visible, more visible. Like yeah. you said, Corrine, that maybe they're up yeah. on the stage or they're in front of people or they have a flashy mm -hmm. leadership gift of some type. Mm -hmm. And, but he says this interesting thing that mm -hmm. he even gets a little bit graphic in the new Testament. And he says, but many times it's the private parts that we don't show everybody that, mm. that are, are really, really valuable, or, or maybe the inner parts that, mm. you know, people can't see my liver, but it's really, really important. I could get by without my mm. ear, but I can't get by without some of these internal organs that it's people good. can't mm. see. And so many times the people who are making the greatest impact for the kingdom mm. are the people who are behind the scenes that, that so you true. might not even find out so until you get to true. heaven the amount of impact that they had. Yep. Whereas somebody who had a big flashy gift gets a lot of attention, but maybe is actually being less productive for the kingdom because yep. they're doing it for selfish motive. You know, I really sometimes hesitate to even talk about my call to ministry. It's a huge thing. It's a big thing, and I could not renege on it no matter what. But it maybe is frustrating for some people to hear me say that, because they conclude, well, I don't have a calling like that, and so how can I be as fired up as you are about whatever it is that I'm doing? And, but I don't think you have to. Uh, I think there's other things that are so meaningful, so important, and as Corinne said, to find something that you can be passionate about, maybe yeah. other than your job. Yeah, and something, something I would love to add, I don't feel it was discussed yet, but... Um, what I've learned, I guess, probably one of the most important aspects would be simply the idea of obviously there's one head and we're all the body. And we discuss how all 
parts are equally important. Um, but there's also ways for you in your actual career to change your own attitude towards what you're actually doing. Um, there's been seasons in my life where I seeked truth and I seek clarity on on like, is this really God's will for my life? And and it, after learning and studying the word, I, I came to the conclusion, it's less about what I'm doing and it's more about why I'm doing what I'm doing and for whom myself or or Christ and and as you can flick that switch you are no longer working either at one job to a career three or on a mission you can take your your position at any organization from any size or uh, working at at uh, McDonald's you, if you use that what you have get, what you were given and you glorify God with what you have you are then working more on a mission and you're less on the career or just simply having a job. What really changes not what you're doing, what really changes your own perception That's of good. what you're actually doing in front of you. It's fantastic. Interesting. And here in the, uh, in the comments, Tim sent me uh, a comment from Adele Nicholas who asks, how about the contents of the Purpose Driven Life book by Rick Warren? Uh, she says, I feel that this book is Bible-based. And absolutely, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren has been transformational for so many people for the very reason that you mentioned, uh, Adele, that, uh, that it is from Scripture. That's right. And that's one of the things I think this would be a great time for us to, to maybe transition into uh, how, as Christians, we don't have to go out and figure out our purpose. It's no. given to us, right. right, as kingdom people. Now, we know everybody listening right now are, are not necessarily Christians, and so you can still get value even if you have not yet made a decision to surrender to Christ. You can still get value in your life by living out some of these kingdom principles of serving and helping others and not living a selfish life. But ultimately, as Christians, though, uh, we have no option here when it comes to our calling. It will be uniquely reflected in various mm -hmm. people. But our calling is found in Scripture. And mm -hmm. so uh, could we talk about that a little bit? Like what well, is our calling as Christians? Yeah. What you're reminding me of is a man in this church who's been here for a long time. I led him to the Lord many, many years ago. And uh, he has a, a job, but he is practically an evangelist everywhere he goes and talks to everybody he can that's appropriate uh, about what it means to be a Christian, and I've often joked that he's just doing that job to sustain his ministry mm. and his purpose in wanting to see other people come into that same relationship with the Lord that he is in, and so it's just kind of interesting to see that. Excellent. Yeah, because that is, just so that there's no misunderstanding what we're talking about, that our calling as Christians, and that's what uh, was mentioned here in The Purpose Driven Life, is all about fleshing that out from Scripture, that our calling as Christians, Jesus gave us as the great commandment and the great commission. And around here, you know, we joked earlier about how it's God's love in us to the world. Why? Because love changes everything. That's our, our calling here as a church. We didn't make that up. That comes directly from the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment is Jesus said what was asked, what's the purpose of life? What's the greatest command in all of scripture? And Jesus said, the yeah. answer is this to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor 
as you love yourself. So as God's love invades your life through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that's the gospel message. That is, it is then God's love in us to the world, to love your neighbor as you love yourself and as God has loved you. And then the Great Commission is what Dr. B comes back to again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. Uh, because it, and, and that repetition is important because it's so easy for us to forget because our natural tendency is to focus inward, is the Great Commission is before Jesus went back to heaven, he said, and here's your Great Commission. He said, you are called mm -hmm. to do what? To go into all the world and mm -hmm. make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that I've taught you and baptizing them. And, mm -hmm. and Jesus said, and I will be with you. I will empower you to do that. And so there's the little mini message here in the midst of our conversation, yeah. uh, the little mini sermon, just so that we're, we're not under any ambiguity about what our calling is as Christians. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, let's talk about that for a minute. Mm -hmm. In our workplace, maybe, and, and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, guys, maybe a person works in a job where they say, man, my job. Or, or I'm going to school and I just feel like in the environment that I'm in, mm. my job is, is drudgery. My job is monotony. It doesn't feel, it doesn't fuel my passion. And so how can someone live out the great commandment, uh, or as we say, the, the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment, mm. how can they live that calling out in the midst of a circumstance that doesn't seem very exciting? Mm. I would suggest that a good starting point, and I think Gabriel's already touched on this earlier in the conversation, is about examining our own inner attitude Amen. about those circumstances. I think we can all attest to the fact that we have all lived in seasons uh, where our day-to-day -day, uh, work life perhaps was not as inspiring and motivating as we all wanted it to be. Uh, but just to add to Gabriel's thoughts, that it begins with us first. Uh, we would reflect our own attitude. If we're going to walk into a, a work situation on a Monday morning with just a really grumpy attitude, then we're going to have a grumpy day. Mm. So if we approach our, our work uh, with integrity, as much as we don't sometimes appreciate our work, mm -hmm then I think we're going to walk away from a day's work feeling better and perhaps even finding moments of clarity and purpose where we didn't think it actually existed. Mm. God, God gives gifts when we open the door to receive them. If we're not opening the door in our own attitude to receive them, we won't see them. Mm. So I think the very beginning, it starts with us. I think in saying all that, I think it boils down to we're either building bridges or we're building walls. Mm. And the spirit we have, the, the kindness that we have, the encouragement that we express in trying to help others and build bridges with other people by example, especially in attitude. I think we sometimes put so much emphasis on lifestyle as Christians and what our lifestyle should be in front of those who are not Christians that we can easily almost be judgmental mm -hmm. and leave uh, kind of on the back burner the kind of 
spirit we should have, the kind of attitude we should have. And probably that attitude is going to do more to help people to see what it means to be a Christian than just living a particular uh, biblical lifestyle. I mean, it's got to be both, but, yeah. but it can't be either or. And, uh, and, and so it may be even more difficult in many mm -hmm. cases to have that Christ-like spirit than it is to live by a certain code of ethics. And so I, I think Corinne uh, touched on that. And uh, oh my, uh, we can so undermine the cause of Christ just because of a miserable attitude in certain conditions, and that gets around, and people talk about it, and really, we've got a tremendous responsibility to show the right attitude no matter where we are, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God has put you where you are for a reason in this season. Amen? Yeah. Mm. Amen. Well, I've got a great question here. We're going to try to get to a few more of these. Uh, our, our time is starting to... Uh, tick right along. We try to keep these to right around an hour or so. And so uh, Jocelyn, Tim sends me a question from Jocelyn that I think is really good. I'd love to hear your input here. I wonder if the speakers could comment on burnout mm. in the pursuit of one's calling. Do you mm. think that if we are pursuing our true calling, we would never feel burnout? Really good question. I, I can speak on that. Um, I've, I may not be 100% accurate on this, but as we know, most of fears, false evidence appearing real, being influenced, uh, et cetera, uh, going through seasons of burnout, most of them are, uh, I may get some heat for this statement, but are, <laughs> they are self-imposed. Um, and, and, and yes, there is times for medical reasons that we do go through burnouts and, and I do want to put some light on that. Um, so when you do have your purpose, um, it's like having your, an anchor in your life. People can go through massive amount of pain when you know why you're going through that pain. And to Joel's points, um, I honestly believe Every single interaction I have in my life was carefully placed in my life um, according to God's will. Um, so for me, how I see how I see the world, I know that uh, beyond all things, I am a Christian. I may be perceived as a coach and all that, but at the core of, of me, I'm, I'm a Christian, and my goal is to become more like Christ, and, and I hope my life exudes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and in all of the ways. So I can just, so I can just love people um, from, from a, a genuine place of heart. So it, it could happen. Uh, it, it could definitely happen to, to be burned out. Um, and there's different seasons, obviously, of that. And that's also part of the process. I've learned that some of the lessons can only be learned but actually going through the process. Mm. Some lessons can only be learned through pain. Mm. And, and I've been there myself. And, and th going through to a season, even having my calling crystal clear. But what's nice is, and I've seen myself going through misery and, and, and just, just thanking God. Like, and, I know it's your will. And so Gabriel, for you, yeah. now being a trainer for people in their career goals... Mm -hmm. uh, before that, you were a trainer in people's physical goals. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can't build up a muscle without first breaking it down. You've got to put yeah. it under pain. You have to put it under stress. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'd love to hear some more thoughts on this idea, this great question that, uh, that was given to us about burnout, even in the midst of our calling. Because we all know godly, godly people, and we've been there ourselves. I think every one of us, where we go through seasons where we've felt burned out or maybe even mm -hmm. depressed, uh, even, even in the midst of our calling. Well, we're talking I, about... I would agree. You go ahead. Go ahead, definitely. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, ladies first. Well, it's, it's a little more challenging being oh, on Zoom, so we'll you. let you speak first. It's a little bit of a <laughs> delay there, so no, no need to... Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. I just wanted to agree with some of your real statements and also to say Scripture supports very strongly the concept of finding rest in God. Um, Ecclesiastes speaks about there is a time for such things... Uh, there are so many scripture verses that talk about resting in Christ, having that time, just because God is acutely aware of the creatures he created mm. and the humanity he created. He is very aware, which is why he became, uh, came in the body of Christ, of the boundaries that is placed on us mm. physically, spiritually, mentally, and others, which is why God is God and we are not. So we have to rely on finding strength in him. And I just wanted to say to whoever asked that question, because uh, I don't know what place it comes from, but there is great courage in acknowledging that sometimes you need to stop, mm -hmm. even if it is in the pursuit of a higher calling, which God has gifted you to do. It takes courage to say, I need time i need rest i need reflection with god to reevaluate what's happening not everyone has that courage to acknowledge that place mm -hmm. and i just wanted to say that i don't think it's an unhealthy place i think god is very aware of what we can and should be doing in the limits that we have on this earth and not in heaven and that's why scripture is full of references on finding rest in god as when those seasons come uh, because the pursuit of your higher calling does not negate the fact that you're going to be tired. Yeah. The one is not exclusive of the other. They, these things happen and they're intertwined. That's good. So those That's are good. Well, I, I want to ask a question to Dr. B here about this because what you touched on Corrine is what we talked about last week. The reason we're walking through this series of healthy habits Last week, we talked about physical habits, how to restore your body, how to keep margin in your life, the value of nutrition and exercise, and how those disciplines physically affect how we feel emotionally and spiritually. And so I want to ask this to you, Dr. B, because you're a really disciplined person in many areas of, of life. And, uh, and so what would you say those physical disciplines in your life have played, what role those have played in helping you keep pushed through in seasons of burnout or when right. margin is tight? I think most people would agree that burnout is a result of stress. Maybe not everything is in regard to burnout. Is, and I think, I think it's possible for unnecessary negative stress to be eliminated. Now, that would take an hour to talk about that and explain that. But I do think the physical side of things 
is a very important factor. And being disciplined in that, now I don't know how to s uh, explain that without telling about my own journey on that. But That's why for, I asked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be talking about myself, but for 40 years I've walked, you know, my 70,000 steps every week, and I'm very, very disciplined to have a way to hold myself accountable to that. And I do never you, felt. Do you try to make that 10,000 steps every day? 10,000 steps every day, an okay. average of 10,000 steps every day. And, uh, and rarely does a day go by that that doesn't happen. But I'll tell you what, it takes real discipline to be certain right. that I find the time to make that happen. And, and there's a lot of stress that gets eliminated just by walking, you know, yeah. and listening to uh, uh, podcasts and what have you while I'm, I'm doing that. And then... I have people will say to me, you're some lucky because of being as thin as I am. Now, I right. say thin. I don't consider myself thin, but at the, at the weight I am. But I know how much discipline that takes because yeah, we talk I, about it a right, lot. And, and I could weigh four times as much as I weigh if I let myself go. And so I have to just constantly work at that to the point that I write down my weight every day of life. And yeah. if it's where it needs to be, I put an exclamation mark alongside yeah. of it. If it's a little less, I put two exclamation marks. And, and that's just my way. Now, not everybody would have to have that system. But I, I, think, I don't think anything gets accomplished that needs to be accomplished without accountability. And we've got to find some way to be held accountable. But that eliminates stress, you know. I mean, that sounds like it might be stress to be held accountable. To me, it's just the opposite. Yeah. It helps you to stay on track and, and helps you to be free. And, and also, of course, right along with that, is the kind of food we eat, the kind of sleep that we get. I, I get up uh, every uh, morning between 4.30 and 5, but I go to bed right. every night at 10 o'clock, unless there's some extenuating circumstance. Well, we we or don't plan on keeping you up tonight. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to sure hear that, because i got to get going here pretty soon. It's going to be my, bed, <laughs> my bedtime. But uh, anyway, those disciplines, I think, really help eliminate a lot of the stress that ends up causing burnout. And then I, right at, while we're talking about this passion for a vision and purpose and all that, I also believe that having a purpose having a passion for that purpose, that has a great effect on subduing things that could cause stress and cause burnout. Just because there's a fire that is burning that kind of overcomes a lot of the normal stresses that might come our way. And, and, and people who really have purpose, they'll see things that other people don't see. They'll hear things that other people don't hear. They'll go places other people are not willing to go. They'll see opportunities that other people never, that never see. And, and they're always, they're more creative. And all of that brings satisfaction. Well, satisfaction keeps us from being, to some degree, it has an effect on keeping us from being burnt out. So there's a lot of factors involved to take too long to talk about now. Oh, that's good. And, and Jocelyn, with that, uh, that question, I, I love one of the things that, that Gabriel had said when he first responded. I mean, all this input has been so valuable. He, he said something like this. He said, purpose becomes an anchor. I forget exactly how, yes. yeah. how you worded sure. that, but something about yeah. your purpose being your anchor. And when you said that, I had the visual picture of a storm mm -hmm. 
That's good. Just taking a ship and mm. beating it back and forth in the waves, yeah. Yeah. but it stays secure because it's anchored even a, in the midst of the storm. That's a good one. And it's easy to stay anchored when the waves are calm, mm -hmm. when there's no wind. Uh, but what we, when we really realize that we need that anger is when the storm comes. Yeah. And so often in our lives, we don't realize that our foundation is shaky until, yeah. until the storm comes. And I'll just be really vulnerable with that question when it comes to burnout and, uh, and depression. And uh, like I know, and Dr. B and I have talked about this a lot. We've had so many hours that we've been able to just share about these things in our lives and, and the habits and disciplines that we've developed. And what we talked about last week when it comes to physical health and, and how it affects our, our emotional and spiritual health is I have to guard that so carefully, mm -hmm. Jocelyn, because I know my capacity for burnout. Mm -hmm. I know that if I don't manage the, the dashboard in my life well, then, uh, then I am in danger of slipping into that. S especially, like for example, I have found that I'm ready to resign from my job pretty much every February and early <laughs> March because... I start to get that seasonal affective disorder from the lack of sun and I'm tired of the cold, being cold all the time and, and all that sort of stuff. And so because I know that pattern, yeah. I know I should not make any major life decisions in February or early March, right? Mm. Uh, because I know that that's a season where over the years I've been prone to feel burnout. And so mm -hmm. beginning to know those patterns in your life and how to ma manage yourself is part of the the process of growing spiritually. I think. So Joel, it still comes back to certain disciplines, doesn't it? Yeah. Disciplining your life in such a way that that doesn't happen, that you yeah. keep things on track. And, and Gabriel, in the preacher's world, when we hear a great thought, we'll often say, that can preach. Right. Well, Gabriel, that thought of yours about the anchor <laughs> that can preach my brother yes absolutely and denny put in the comments it, to remember that that purpose is our anchor and the anchor is jesus right well, there's an old song was, the anchor holds <laughs> in the I was, midst of I was just i was just going to ask and give them more contents behind the anchor so um obviously it, it is jesus so for, for me the anchor when i think about the anchor i think about jesus sleeping in the boat and Everyone's panicking. There's a big storm. And then, obviously, he calmed the storm. So, obviously, for me, I've, uh, in, in times of, of, of panicking or anxiety or being depressed, um, I know that was just like in the book of Job's. Like, it's, it was ordained um, um, and, uh, through God, obviously. And for me, just, just simply to grow my own faith. Um, because I know he has a big plan for my life and and I need to grow my own character. So I, I embrace all of those hard times and those dark times. And like I said, I've honestly pumped fizzing up and I, and I thank God for, for them because I know that's, that's what it takes to chisel my character for me to become more like Christ. And as I become more like him, there's less of me. And then I can, I can then, instead of, worshiping to the spirit i can then live from the spirit that's good and i and i i think we would be remiss if we don't mention in the midst of all that because some of the questions that have continued to roll in have 
more to do with this, you know, what do you do when you get in that season of burnout and stress? I think one of the great challenges in this COVID season yeah. is isolation yeah. causes when, when, when fruit gets separated from the vine, mm-hmm. it withers and, mm-hmm. and dies. And Jesus is the vine, but his mm-hmm. church is the body. And we, we have to stay connected to the body. And I just want to take just a minute here. And, and I know a lot of people who are listening right now, maybe you're not Moncton Wesleyan people. And so if you're a Christian, this can apply to whatever church, whatever context you're in. But even if you're not having large church gatherings, I don't think that's the, the worst thing in the world. People are like, oh, but the Bible says don't forsake gathering together and online services don't cut it. I get that feeling. I, I get that sentiment. But here's what I think is even more important. Gathering together, you can come to big church and sit in a big room and sing songs and listen to a teaching and go home and never have experienced what it means to gather together biblically. Mm-hmm. And that's where the role of small groups, relationships with other Christians who, who hold you accountable, who pray for you, who you can, you know, I got a call from somebody who I love this afternoon and they had some devastating news and we, we you know, we mourned together we prayed together, and, uh, and that's spiritual community. And so I just want to take a minute and mention wherever you are, whatever church you're part of, and especially for our Moncton Wesleyan people, that's why our small groups are so very important. Amen. And we've even seen this week, like we had one of the highest numbers in our Tuesday morning prayer gathering. And I, mm. I would love if we had prayer gatherings like that on Zoom in addition to our small groups every day of the week. I mean, we would do as many as as we could. We haven't filled up this one yet to the point where we have to multiply it, but we would love to do uh, more yeah. and more and more of these. Well, there are a lot of great questions. I wish we could have gotten to more of them. Thank you so much for all your commentary. But as we draw this to a close, I want to make sure that we reserve some time to give our guests an opportunity to share maybe a Bible verse that has helped focus your purpose when you need to come back to that, uh, that anchor when you need to be reminded and, and refocused, what, maybe what's a verse that you would give to people that's been really, really meaningful for you? I, I can go. So for me, it's, it would have to be John 3.16. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And, and, and we have spoke on this throughout the whole series, how God gave his only begotten son. So true blessing comes from giving, not receiving. And Jim Rohn said giving started the receiving process. And honestly, if there's one last thing I can, I can tell you is that um, if you are in that burnout, if you feel a season of dryness or you are struggling, Put your hand out and 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 offer incur- words of encouragement to someone around you, and you'll be surprised how you will actually be getting more out of that um, connection than than any other way. So that's a practical way. The other practical way, simply, um, you can do gratitude, like reflect on all the things you're grateful for. I've seen people completely transform their life from being suicidal to living on purpose 
by simply starting their journey by reflecting on 10 things every morning that you're grateful for. I'm grateful for my health, grateful for my savior, etc. Good stuff. Corrine? I would love to share my life first with the group out there. And I hope it's of meaning to you as it has been to me. It was given to me at 19. And it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And it's a good reminder. It says, but you are a chosen people. Chosen, specifically. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. And that's been a verse that's been very helpful to me. I just want to encourage anybody out there living in COVID world, living in the world of burnout, living in the world of questioning purpose. There is no statute of limitations on purpose. God can give you purpose at any stage, in any place, at any age, in any circumstance. Don't let fear, don't let fear stop you from that. Good stuff. That's good. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> there's so many verses to choose from, but I'll just try to keep this as brief. It's hard for a preacher to keep things brief. <laughs> but uh, Paul, when he was in prison, he said, press on. He said, I press toward the mark. And he was under more difficult circumstances than any of us will ever even be able to imagine. And yet he spoke words of encouragement and determination. And I just feel like in this time and any other time, because there's always going to be adverse circumstances, we just need to have that anchor of determining we will press on press on press on good and I, i'll give you mine uh, too i i think it's been a guide for me for the last 25 years is first uh, peter 3 15 always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect so that if anyone speaks against your good behavior in Christ, they will be ashamed of their slander. Oh, that is good. Oh, I love that. So, I, so I, I study myself to, you know, study to be approved in the word of God so that anybody who asks, I'm always prepared to give an answer for the reason that I hope that I have in Jesus. And, uh, and that when people attack or when I'm sharing Christ, First Peter says to do it with gentleness Amen. and respect that, yes. that whoever attacks or whoever I share Christ with, that it, it always comes from a perspective of gentleness and respect so that anybody who speaks against me will be ashamed of the mm. slander that they've made. I love that passage in First Peter 3, beginning in verse 15. So there's our closing word. Thank you so much. And before we say goodbye to our guests, let me just remind you that uh, this is on podcast as well. If you want to look this up wherever you get your podcasts on Apple uh, iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud. Uh, you can share this with people who maybe would want to listen to it while they're exercising or riding in the car or working around the house. And uh, also, we'll be back next week on Wednesday night, same time, same place. And we would love to have you join us. We've got some great guests lined up. Thank you so much to Dr. Buckingham, 
to Corrine Shea and to Gabriel Basque for joining us this evening. And if you would like prayer, if you would like someone to pray over you, anything that you're going through, maybe it's related to some of the things that you've heard tonight, you go to our website, mw.church, mw.church, click the prayer link, and there are a lot of different prayer options there. We would love to contact you. Maybe you say, well, I don't even know how to do that. I, maybe somebody showed this to you, but you don't have a computer connection or whatever because you're watching with somebody else. You can even just call the church office and uh, we'll help you get connected with someone from our prayer team. They would love to pray with you. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. And thank you to our guests. If everybody wants to wave to our crowd, thank everybody for joining us. Oh, we appreciate you. God bless you. Have a great night.